Hello again, everybody. Cool Button Uncensored Hockey Podcast is on the air. Episode 23. I'm still in a good mood. Craig's still in a good mood, but you can hear it. You can feel it, Craig. Everyone's sad. Like Scrooge is here to wreck the NHL season. You're shaking your head. You're optimistic still. Listen, I'm happy. Most what I'm happy about is that uh, that we're able to get this uh, show on the road, so to speak, because uh, you were in a frantic search for your headphones until you found out that your lovely daughter needed uh, to borrow them because she had forgot hers at school. Ah, and you know what happened to me and everything. But I, I, I you know, it was beautiful because we're on the Zoom and I'm watching you frantically try to look for your headphones and go, what's he doing? What's he doing? Because we didn't have sound. And then we found out. <laughs> yeah, the Kids, aren't they the best? Anyway, uh, I am optimistic, Steve. And uh, I guess maybe people would say uh, sometimes uh, I'm not realistically optimistic. But, you know, we're in a pandemic. We're in a pandemic. Like, like and, you know, I, I sound like a broken record. I do sound like a broken record. But since the pandemic began in March 2020, the NHL has, has to me, been exemplary in, in, in everything they've tried to do, what they've explored, their patience. And here's the key thing, being nimble, being quick, being agile, taking in the, the information from their health and science experts, and then making adjustments on the move. This had, do people forget that last season when we were all excited that there was some pauses with teams and you know postponements and you know and everything that went with it? So you know what? This is just prudent. It's prudent. And what I will say is, yeah, some games have been postponed. But bottom line is the NHL has built in contingencies, and they built those contingencies in last summer because they're not complacent. So we like to be realistic and I'm realistic and you've stayed on the path that Gary and Bill and the league will find a way, you know, people who believe we were going to start on October 13th and play 82 games as scheduled, go to the Olympics and all sing Kumbaya. It, it was a, it was a bit of a pipe dream, or maybe it was a huge pipe dream. Now on the realm of realism of having a pause waiting and gathering facts and information we would gather at press time. That's what the old newspaper people would say at press time, which is podcast time right now that we will use our February time wisely because we're not going to the Olympics. We're going to figure out where the variant is and how it's affecting teams. We're going to let the teams get healthy. And I'm trying to stay realistic on monitoring cases, hospitalizations, deaths, and those that need special attention, i.e. ventilators in the hospitals. If those numbers also go back to 2020 form, then the whole world and us in our hockey world are in big time trouble of figuring it out because that'll make it even a greater challenge. So in the next week, two and three, Craig, numbers go up, but the hospitalizations, knock on wood, and the deaths and the ventilator situation doesn't go to the point of where hospitals are overwhelmed isn't that the most important early sign for society, first of all, and then in our little world that we will manage this, get through it and get the schedule back on track? Am I living in fantasy land? No. And, and what I would say to you is about uh, the schedule for everybody. It's not just the NHL schedule. It's everybody's schedule. It's kids in school. It's, it's workplaces, right? To, it's, it's small businesses, restaurants that can have full capacity, right? So you take all those factors in and 
you know, I, I, I continue to hear people talk about March 2020, and all I can say is they must have really short memories or no memory at all, because this is not March 2020. It's not even close to March 2020. And, you know, when you consider that we have vaccines, we have treatments now, I know that there's a fatigue. I know that there's burnout with nurses and, and frontline care workers. I, I, I know that. I'm not trying to dismiss any of that. But bottom line is what we were in in March 2020, we didn't know. The health experts didn't know. The science experts didn't know. Medical people, they didn't, they didn't know what we we're dealing with. So now we know we're, we're, we're managing it. We're trying to understand early data, preliminary data. You know, I think, uh, you know, it, it's not ready to make conclusions, but it's, it, it can be encouraging. And, and that's, that's a good thing. Steve, and I see this beautiful Christmas tree behind you in, in the shot. You got gifts there. You said you have gifts for everybody. Yep. I, wouldn't, I wouldn't expect any less. You, you've been uh, out uh, and about. Uh, so when you make a Christmas list, is it, do you get everything on your Christmas list in your history? No, right? So when you talk about the NHL, fully two-game schedule, Olympics and everything, there's nothing wrong with making a long list. When I say about the NHL having contingencies in place, they do. It's not like they go, okay, now what? We poured the cement, we've put in our foundation, and now we got to bring out the, uh, the jackhammer to, to free us. That's not what they've done. And we'd all love to see the, Olymp the players in the Olympics. And it's not just something that's falling by the wayside because of what's happening solely with the variant. It's also because of what the protocols may or may not be in China. And that's going to be for all athletes and coming back. So let's keep in mind that there's, uh, you know, there was some concerns. If we recall, your memory's good. My memory's good. The Board of Governors, Gary Bettman said, he goes, we've expressed our concerns to the players. This is before the the the, the variant, uh, you know, reared its ugly head, right? And so those concerns were already in place. So the variant has just exacerbated those concerns. The NHL, to me, they, they, they've done a they've done a. I use the word exemplary, terrific, excellent job uh, since this pandemic began. And I, I have zero. Let me just be clear with you. I have zero reason to believe it'll be any different now, and it won't be. Okay, and that's great to be confident. We talked about the numbers and you agreed with my theories about hospitalization, ventilators and everything else. So if that goes up and the Canadian government decides to shut down the borders, does that mean part of the contingency plan will be back to a Canadian division to play more games, to get to 82? Could that be a mini portion of the schedule? Is that too drastic to consider right now? Or it's on the quiz Christmas wish list. It's on the list that says if we're in a shutdown till March 1st to play games in January and February and we can't cross the border, then teams in Canada and those teams in the States will have to play each other more. And what was our original schedule is out the window. And then we will have to add games in buildings where we see fit. Now, you're saying by your expression and those who can't see it are saying, yeah, that could happen. And that might be on the list. But once we get to January, I think you think we're going to resume the schedule. We're going to go with our protocols, the new ones. And that should be, or hopefully will be good enough to push the puck forward into the new year. Which of those two are you? I don't know. And, and, and you know, Steve, I don't know is a good answer. 
because there's there's a lot of variables that go in. Look at what the NFL is going to do beginning this week. Yeah. Asymptomatic, they're, they're not testing because they've said like, you know, the, because their health people and, 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 and experts have said, wait a second here, we're, we're not getting serious outcomes, right? You know, and so now they feel based on their on, on, on their health advice that, that, you know, they can proceed in a different direction. I'm not suggesting that the NHL should or would or will or, or do any of those things. But, you know, let's not forget. And again, keep in mind, the, the, the Canadian government made exemptions for travel across the border. Like, you know, the, you know, non-essential travel only opened up in the fall. You know, so th there's been exemptions made based on, okay, what are we trying to do? You know, the, 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 the federal government is not trying to shut down businesses. What they're trying to do is, is protect, you know, the healthcare system. So, you know, having sports, you know, people can argue whether it's important or not or what it means or whatnot, but we've seen exemptions, Steve. So again, when I talk about the NHL being agile and quick and nimble, like they're working with the governments, they're working with the health experts, they're working with the local authorities. Okay, what, what does it mean for building capacity? What does it mean, you know, for when we come into your city, how do we need to stay in a hotel? These are the newer protocols that are in place through January 7th, all the while trying to track the data, the medical data. Where does this leave us? What does it mean? I mean, that's a, that's a bold step by the NFL. I'm not here to say the wrong or the right. I'm just saying it's a bold step. But if it's a step that they that they're confident in, and a step that they feel can can continue to move forward, there's not in a pandemic. There's going to be steps forward, half a step back, two steps forward, a full step back. That's what. But there's to me. That's why I and and I do. I I I I really really am disappointed in a number of people that say this looks like March 2020. Because I think that they've forgotten about the progress we've made. They've forgotten what March 2020 looked like around the world. And to try to compare this to, to then, to me, is just a, a lack of understanding about where we were and where we are now. And I think so, the NHL, I, I do think the NHL is nimble. But why do we have to, you, you know, again, maybe, maybe they thought about a Canadian division. Maybe they haven't. But maybe what they're doing is, hey, we got a Christmas pause coming up here. Let's see where this goes. Let's, they're tracking the medical data like hourly. <laughs> what does it mean? Who got tested? Who got, you know, trying to ask. So anyway, that's, that's my, my answer is, I don't know. But my response is the NHL has shown like whoever thought there'd be a, whoever thought there'd be a return to play in two bubbles. Whoever thought that? Well, nobody. People just said cancel, cancel, cancel. And we, and we handed out two cups. So and they're not the ones raising their arms and saying, I was wrong, I was wrong, I was wrong, because nobody ever does that, because they're never wrong, especially on Twitter, delete, delete, delete. So I was going to say, look in your crystal ball and see where we'll be in early January, but I, th I already think I know your answer. Is it easier for the NFL not to test asthmatic players because they don't have to cross the border? They don't have to worry about anything but just the United States. There'll be less pushback in the United States that if we tried doing that here, maybe 25 teams wouldn't get a pushback, but the other seven would because at times... We're just different. We're the Empire, United Empire loyalist strategy. They look at things a bit more rebellious. Is that going to slow things down? Is it realistic that we could do that, Mr. Button? Or is that just on the table, on the burner, but maybe the back burner of realism? Yeah, what, what, what I would say quickly to that, Steve, is, is that, 
you know, again, back to what the federal government's not trying to stop people from working. They're not, they've made exemptions, you know, now what for, for them to make an exemption for travel, what would that evolve? I, I, I don't know. We know what it is right now that you have to be to come into Canada. You have to have a negative test, PCR test. Well, guess what? To go in the United States, you need, you need a negative test too. <laughs> so, you know, the U.S. authorities have done the same thing. I, I think that what the NFL has said is, and, and, and I think they're at a different point in their schedule and their season. They're saying, listen, here, here's what our science uh, table says. And it's saying that, like, wait a second here. We're testing. Now, are you going to tell are you going to tell asymptomatic positive players to go out into the public domain? And <laughs> no, I don't think there's I think there I think there's other parts to that, too. Right. But they're saying, like, we are not going to if a player doesn't have symptoms. Right. We're not going to test. That's what they're saying, because what they're feeling is, and this is what the feeling is, Steve, is that they're finding a lot of positives with no symptoms. And to your point, if if if, if the outcomes now by having COVID are, are milder and not severe, that's the positive. That's the positive data. The, the science, the the health experts will tell you that when we when we start to move from pandemic to endemic. It's because now we're, we're, our bodies have built up immune. And, and it's not, listen, I'm not going to get into a worldwide discussion. I'm talking right here about North America. Right? Yeah, no, yeah, I and hear like, you. And, and, and we all want everybody to be healthy and we don't want anybody to be vulnerable. But at the same time, I, I'm only going to deal with this now. So, you know, that's, if the early data, and we're going to find some uh, positive in the early data, that's it. Well, and then there's two sides of that. And I, don't want to just spend our time talking about it. The argument would be you could test a player and find out if they are carrying COVID, but you choose not to because they're not sick. Some will argue you should. And then I say, well, hang on a second. In society, are we saying to people, go get tested, even though you have no symptoms? So if the regular human being living in New York and Toronto are not forced to go get a test, why would you force an NFL or in this case, an NHLer to get a test to satisfy your own curiosity? Well, hang on a second. That's where the, you know, the balance is to say, well, hang on a second, just because you can and decide you won't shame on you, but hang on, you're at home and you're not getting tested. So why force these guys to do it? That's, that's kind of the argument and, you know, I've seen it on the weekend. You heard what Steve Eiserman said and the pushback against that and everything else. Where do you think we'll be? I know it's a crystal ball question. Into early January with having resumed our schedule for the seven, at least now that are shut down and figuring it out. Do you, are you, I know you're not a doom and gloomer. In the, in the form of realism, do you think we'll just chug along, Jerry? Go along, Jerry. We'll be chug along into resuming our NHL life on, say, January the 7th. I'm throwing a date out there. Yeah, yeah. Well, what I would say, and I, I, I think the clue is, is in the release yesterday by the NHL and the NHLPA. We're going to evaluate things on a, on a case-by-case basis. <laughs> like, yes. So, yeah, I think, I think that there's a, there's a positive sign there that, that it, is it over? Are we going to be blasé? No, no, nobody's going to be blasé. Nobody's going to be careless, but we're going to examine things on a case-by-case basis. You know, one of the things that got asked of me was, 
okay, they canceled 12 games. Why didn't they just cancel the other 12? Well, okay, let's just stop and think about that for a minute. Or postpone. I want to use the right word here. Yep. Postpone. I said, okay, well, understand that now you've postponed 12 more games. You got to find a place in the schedule to, to, to get them played. So if you don't have to postpone 12 other games, that saves some, <laughs> some, some work on the other side, right? You know, like, you know, and like, again, case by case, I thought you made a great point just now, Steve. And I'm looking, I'm looking at those gifts. I'm trying to guess my, my sister-in-law, you know what she used to do when she was a kid? Yeah. She used to go shake the gifts. Yeah. And then, and then she would try to unwrap them to figure out what the gifts were. <laughs> <laughs> that's cheating that's yeah. cheating cheating devious that's what she used to so i'm looking at the gifts i see some some bigger boxes i see some ones that are in cylinders and everything i'm trying to i see a stocking i'm trying to guess but 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 my point is when i was looking at those when you made your comment about the general how would everybody feel today everybody feel today if you could not go to shop for christmas gifts unless you could provide a negative pcr test they wouldn't they they freak out. They say no. <laughs> so yeah. your point about right, you, yep. your, your point is a really good one, Steve. So you know what what happens if you don't know you can't go to restaurants. It's not about fifty percent capacity anymore. You need to produce a negative uh, test in the last seven. And and and, it, and if you have a positive one, you have to declare it to everybody, and you can't go anywhere for ten days. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, that brings it down to reality. That is, that's different. Now the rules apply to me too, not just the yeah. millionaire athlete. Oh, so that is a game changer to a certain extent. And as the next few days, like this will, you know, at press time, we're speaking about this. Something could change by the time you listen to this. So it's, it's very intriguing. I think there's a lot to still be excited about. Keep positive, test negative, what Brad Tree Living kind yeah. of said the other day, which was a great quote. So we're, and I hate using fluidity, and but we are fluid. So, but we have a lot of options, which is good. You got off a call over the weekend about the World Juniors. So we're, we're going to need the World Juniors again this year even more because of what has been going on. Where are you on your level of realism and optimism that once the pre-tournament games start, we'll get to early December, or sorry, early pre-Christmas, to January 5th, clean, safe, and exciting hockey, Mr. Button. So, so, so those protocols, and so when you're asking me about Christmas, you know, as I, or January, in my head, I'm thinking December 26th, first game of the World Junior Tournament. That's where my, my mind is, right? And, yeah. and, 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 you know, we think back to last year. Steve, last year, I went into quarantine on the December 14th. Wow. In Edmonton. That's when I went into the bubble, December 14th. Wow. Okay. And despite having a, a real, real strong protocols in a bubble, pre-tourney games got postponed last year. We saw what happened with a number of teams, like, you know, with, with positive cases. So in a strict, strict bubble, look what happened. Like, you know, and so now Hockey Canada and Alberta Health is already, the protocols are all well in place. The teams have all had to have negative tests come before they were able to get on a plane to come to Canada, not when they arrived. Then they have to go on quarantine for 48 hours and have negative tests. And now they're going to be isolated. They're going to be in, 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 in a bubble, right? So now the optimist, like the hope is, is okay, we, we, they have to be nimble. They have to cancel some more paternity games out of a, a like caution. Now, again, trying to keep the players. The, the next decision is going to be watching the data. Hopefully, Everybody wants fans in the building. I was in it with no fans in the building. What makes the tournament special and especially special in Canada is 
the fans. It just it, it's a whole different level of enthusiasm and passion. So I don't I hope like I'm hopeful that there could be a full building, you know, but that's the next step. But what we're hoping for is that and and, and we really are nobody's nobody's naive and being blase. Everybody's kind of making sure that they're doing the things to protect themselves, not expose themselves unnecessarily so that we can get this tournament underway. And I can only tell you this, Steve, day by day, they're on top of it. Day by day, they're on top of it. The calls, the understanding of what we're trying to do and what we need to do to, to do our part. Because you know what I don't want to be, Steve? I don't want to be responsible. Uh, I don't want to do things that, that uh, put me at risk. And then I now... Uh, can't do my job and they have to bring somebody else in to do the job, right? I mean, Paul Graham does such a phenomenal job of, of building a group. The World Junior uh, Tournament is, is a big event. We know it is, but, you know, we all have a responsibility to, to make sure that we can deliver. So I have to be responsible, not tomorrow, not 26, three days ago, four days ago, you know, and you know what? We had some things scheduled. I'll be straightforward. We had some things scheduled with people, you know, close, like not big gatherings, small, very small. We had to cancel them. We had to, we, you just can't do them. And I, it's not because I suspect anything with anybody. It's just prudent. And we don't know. We, we hope. But if we did it last year under harder circumstances, we will do it this year. And certain things will be subject to change. If that means Paul Graham doesn't buy Craig Button a dinner for 12. It's four smaller dinners of three isolating kind of within your play-by-play -play or broadcast group. So from that perspective and how the teams are looking at it, it's uh, I think we're still in a good spot. Very excited about it. As we get closer, we'll get into the tournament, the fun stuff, the players. But that's kind of the overall where the league's at and where the world juniors are at. Now we're kind of the league is at. I'm a little disappointed. Yep, yep, yep. I just want to add one thing on the World Junior. Just yep. think about this. Next Monday, 26, 27th of, of December. We got to do a podcast, don't we? So I can tell you what it was like at the World Junior. Don't we have to do one on the other Thursday? Or are you uh, taking a Christmas break? I'm not taking a break. We're going through. <laughs> we're going through. We're going through. So to the five from Red Deer. <laughs> <laughs> I, oh, yeah, we're going through. So big picture NHL. So now to this stuff that somebody might have said, when did they talk hockey? I'm gonna, I'm gonna <laughs> fast forward to boom, here we go. Okay. Big picture. There's a lot of teams that could win the cup. If I look at it from the glass half full, half empty, we might know who the four playoff teams are in the Atlantic. Philly's trying to chase. Pittsburgh's on a roll. The three, sorry, the Metro, the three in the Atlantic. So it might be down to Detroit, Boston, Philly. For the, the last wild card spot, that would be the pessimist in me. The optimist might say, well, there's three legitimate contenders in that division. There might be four in this division is seven. Then we go to the central where maybe Dallas and Winnipeg are in trouble. All the other teams are impressing us, including Nashville. Then the realism on how good the Ducks are. Vegas is overtaken first again. They might be first of the... There's a lot of teams in play. Unfortunately, then we tier the league into the fighters and then the losers. So I was hoping we would come down to the end of April. And if you went two, one and four, you're out, Jerry, you go three, one and one, you're in. That might not be the case with as, with as many teams as I wanted. Cause clearly New Jersey and Columbus, 
back to life back to reality you know that that song is 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 there from my dancing days and i was a terrible dancer the overbite the the one move that's all i had whatever pre diane days but anyway so are you with me on seeing we've got the tears right like are you living in orange county are you living in you know, not the best area of downtown or are you in the outskirts of the city on the wrong side of the, we're seeing the separation right now. Good, bad, and ugly, Craig. Like, like we are, right? Like the, the, the Penguins are here, which is bad news maybe for the Rangers, but not to miss the playoffs. We, we've got, I'm willing to say right now, I know who seven of the Eastern Conference playoff teams are right now. So, okay, so let me, let me throw the question, uh, a lob it back to you, okay? Okay. Is that, uh, you know, so if it's going to be this tight and you already got 17, now it's going to be a race for a wild card spot. Doesn't it make the games in January and February incredibly, well, January, February, depending on what happens, but doesn't it make the games in January now and March incredibly important? Because you can't lose those points for all those teams chasing not only, not only a wild card spot, but positioning. Yeah, because, well, it's going to depend, like, what was – not considered as sexy as who wins the Atlantic. Who cares? Whoa, 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 whoa. It, it does matter because if Florida wins it, that's Toronto-Tampa first round. And in theory, Florida gets the winner, right? If Toronto wins it, they don't have to go through both of those teams and their matchup might be one versus four, which could be Boston or Detroit, which the Leafs would sign up for now. Who would have thought that? They would take Boston now. They would take Detroit now, like right now which means those games for those reasons are important. Would I wish that Montreal and Ottawa uh, were also fighting for a playoff spot? And it would be, I do, but we've, we're seeing the tiering even in a, you know, in a capped world. And I, I'm a, a little surprised it isn't tighter, but those teams made their own bed. And you taught me a long time ago to expect the unexpected. You know what the unexpected is? The Preds right now. Expect the unexpected, Anaheim right now. Right? Like they're right there. Maybe Bruce turns something around and the pause actually hurts Vancouver because I don't know where they're at. But those teams have added something different to the equation and the Jets have to figure it out and Dallas has to figure it out. So, in theory, that division has six teams fighting for three or four spots. So, that's an intriguing race that that will make the second half very intriguing for what points you take or leave on the table. And maybe my pipe dream was to have 28 teams in a playoff race at the end of April. Okay, Steve, that's that sail, that ship. However, however, there's going to be like nothing is determined. First overall, not determined. First in the division, not determined. Anaheim situation, not determined. Fred situation, not determined. Philadelphia even, not determined, right? Like, I don't think they'll get there, but they could prove me wrong. I've been wrong before. So those things to be determined will give us intrigue in the second half of the year. So a couple of things I'm going to say, <laughs> you know, I, I know despite your, your wildest dreams, it would be like me looking behind you and you wish there was 32 gifts there and you were hoping the 28 of them had your name on it. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, you know that that's not realistic <laughs> and you really don't want that, but it, so if we talk about the regular season, we talk about the regular season. So I'm going to go to one example. 
You don't think the Winnipeg Jets beating the St. Louis Blues on a Sunday afternoon with a new coach wasn't incredibly, incredibly important? Like, I'll tell you what, that was a big game for the Winnipeg. I'm not one of these gays, one of these, you know, like, oh, boy, is it a big game? Oh, boy, is that like, you know, listen, we want a regular season. When you have 82 games in a regular season, where, where vast amounts of your, not vast, the overwhelming amount of your uh, revenues come from the regular season. If your regular season becomes diminished and your regular season becomes inconsequential and non-interesting, you got a problem. You got a problem. If everybody shopped at the supermarket on Tuesdays, what are you going to do on the other six days, right? Like, and it's the same thing with an NHL schedule. This is all good. This is all good. You know, not understand. I, I, I really like the Jets team. I really do. I think the Jets have a really good team. I'm looking at them and going, okay, I, I've seen them play exceptionally well. I've seen them stumble. The Dallas Stars started out, then they found their way, then they've lost their way. You know, that's to me the great thing. When you talk about Nashville and you talk about eh, Anaheim, these are good. This is great Minnesota. This is what makes a regular season good. You don't want a regular season where it's all determined and everybody, oh, yeah, well, like, and, and, and you know, you have, like, I'm not saying, but, like, you look at the English Premier League. It's phenomenal soccer, right? But no, the top six teams are going to be, you, you know, every year. And when one of them falls out of the top four, it's like ca catastrophe, right? If they fall out of the top six, they're, they're not in any danger, but, you know, there's Champions League, everything that goes with it. The bottom line is this is good for the NHL. This is good for the NHL. And it's, truth be told, way better than ever before because in 85-86, when the Oilers won their first game, they clinched a playoff spot. <laughs> they did. We forget because we waxed nostalgic on the playoffs back then, and they've oh, always man, been so great true. in every era, but they were already in. 16 and five. We we were how are the oil how are the islanders in 81 82 miss the playoffs? Like they they there was zero chance. And when people say, Well, there's always got to be some chance, no, there was not. There was zero <laughs> chance. One of the years they, they won the cup, there were 500 around this time of the year. And then guess what they did? They got out of the grandma lane and they moved into the other lane because they knew they could, they knew they could sort of coast. That's what's made our regular season. Now, more important, we go from 16-21 to 16-32. And, yes, it might not be 32 teams right down to the wire that I want because the wheel turns and not everyone can be good at the same time. Arizona and Buffalo, as you said in our first podcast, we're never going to be in it ever in serious contention. So the realism is you're right. Maybe we'll get to 24 you know, at one time or the another, or maybe when we look at the end of the schedule, some teams will push the envelope a bit more. But as you talk about how regular season games go, as a regular season win in December, Winnipeg, we could argue that that win, if they get in, we could have circled that win against St. Louis for everything from confidence to credibility to the coaching staff to, you know, you make a change, you go 0-2, they got an injury situation. And I like the fact that, like so many teams still even on paper, the Islanders aren't as bad as this. They just played bad and they've, they've had, they're better than this, but it's too late. Philadelphia trying to resurrect it. The other four teams are pretty darn good in the Atlantic. There's three really good. And then some other, you know, what most cider and Lucas Raymond have been able to do is give the wings some credibility with Larkin having his best year. That is fun. And they're better. Nadelkovich and what Steve's doing, they push the puck forward. These are the storylines that we love to talk about because it's intriguing. People in Detroit already know we're, we're, the worst is over. 
The worst is over. We're not Arizona. We've shown Ottawa we're ahead of you in the rebuild. That's the fun stuff. Whether they finish fourth or not or fifth and get in, at least they've got – it's about selling hope. You've always said you manage expectations and you sell hope. Manage expectations if you're the owner with the fans. If you're the GM with the owner and the fans <laughs> – above and below right so managing expectations is so key and for teams about realistic expectations is having hope the wings this year have gone from no hope to a little old school bob hope and some entertainment and that's what i love about detroit that the worst is over and they've helped do that with two homegrown drafted players that intrigues me well, they have, and, and, and you know, it's it, Steve, you know this, and, 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 and don't let me go because you, you just made an unbelievably great comment that I had never thought about, and, and I want to go back to that. But, before, but staying on Detroit, they had Dylan Larkin, a top-notch player, right? Like, they, they're a really good player. They had Philip Ronick, really, really good player, right? Well, you, you, can't not, you can't have success when you ask too much of too few. Now, Cider comes in. Raymond comes in, right? Well, that makes everybody, that, 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 that takes some of the burden off everybody. Let me just tell you this. They get in the Delta bits, right? You know, the World Junior Tournament. Wait till you see Simon Edvinson, okay? The, the, I told Chris Draper this uh, three days or three weeks ago, two, two weeks ago. I said, oh, my Lord. I said, you guys are set up with Edvinson and Cider on the blue line for years to come. And this big smile came across his face. He goes, yeah, those are the. I said, you know what it takes to win. You know what. You know what. What. What winning looks like. And I said, and you know, and you know, you know, they're proud. I mean, Chris Draper's won four Stanley Cups. Eisenman, Stanley Cup. I mean, they're they're proud, proud competitors. And now they're trying to use Patty Verbeek. They're, they're trying to. They're trying to take what 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 they know as players and use it in management to to to, to win. And they're just as proud and they have just as much pride in winning for the Detroit Red Wings as they ever did as players. And so when I see that smile, it's not arrogance. It's not, it's like, this is where we want to be. It matters. You know, when you, we talk about culture, they got culture there. Anyway, you just said something to me that, you know, we think about 19 straight playoff series wins by the New York Islanders. We talk about, uh, you know, how hard it is to repeat as back-to-back Stanley Cup champions, right? And, and you nailed it. You 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 could you you could get into the you you could get into the on the highway. You go, ah, I'm gonna conserve gas here. I'm only gonna go 60 miles an hour. And you know when you got to February, you go, I can go 65. You know, oh, a week before the schedule, we got to get it up to 70, right? And now and and and, and you're so right the way it, it it didn't tax you, which allowed you to max out at the most important times, right? You, you, you got to basically max out from day one now, right? That's a great point. Or you don't, and it's okay if you're Tampa and you're banged up and you've got enough depth that you don't have to, but you're going to be maxing and taxing out the Stammers and the Headmans and the, and the Vasilevskis. So are you going to give them a rest that'll cost you something later? So in theory, it should all matter. It should all matter from game one to 82 and then from game 83 on. And that that's what makes it harder to win. That's what in theory is supposed to spread things around with the cap and the talent and everything else. But I think that unfortunately because of COVID and the pause and some other storylines, some others get lost in the air. And I think it's our job to grab some things that are not low hanging fruit and say, let's, let's pluck this apple. 
this apple's juicy. It tells a story about Detroit or the kids or drafting. I was watching the Carolina game against LA and it was men among boys on Saturday. And in their broadcast, they ranked Carolina's world junior prospects. And if I remember what their host said, she said, there could be a scenario at the world juniors where every game in the tournament has a Carolina draft pick in it. I went. Yeah, that's okay. I mean, so they do. So, you know what, like, you know, here's what I would say. Just because you have a drafted player in the tournament doesn't mean you have a prospect. So you think they, they are overvaluing their picks? I'm not suggesting that. I'm not, I'm okay. not, I'm not gonna, I'd rather have one in every, on every team Steve, than, than Steve, none. Steve, yep. I, I assess, as you well know, I assess the draft. I assess prospects. That's what I yep. do. I'm just telling you, there's a big difference between having a drafted player in the tournament and having a prospect in the tournament. Okay. A real good prospect. That's a Trust great point me. by you. Okay. Like I know, I, I, I know all the, like, I know all the players, Steve. I know all the players. Okay. It's great. Celebrate what you've drafted. That's wonderful and everything. Okay. Been there, done that. Okay. Uh, we've had players that we drafted in the first round that we were excited about being there and they didn't turn out to be players. So no, like uh, be careful. <laughs> I'm not saying to you, I'm saying like, you know, great celebrate get your pom-poms out and celebrate you know what just it's nice great for you know what i say great for the young players but no so before we go to episode 24 and our festivus episode Ooh. where we get to just rip people <laughs> <laughs> no we don't we don't rip people we're just we, we don't have grievances we have grievances oh okay yeah just, <laughs> ripping people's harder grievances is just a soft way of ripping somebody so there you go which is great so i'll let you have the final word on some of you mentioned detroit and the back end of the future carolina don't just get excited about quantity get more excited about quality so as the world juniors are coming then Give us a few names that have intrigued you that aren't Connor Bedard, maybe down the list of something to tease us, as they say in broadcasting. Give us a tease. Remember the tease? When we come back, something that'll change your hockey life. When we, oh, I better not change the channel. So give us a tease, Mr. Button, around Christmas. Here's what I would tell you, okay? And, and, and so the World Junior Tournament. So we hear about Shane Wright. We hear about Connor Bedard. And we hear about Matt Faye Mitchcock, right? So where was Trevor Zegras going into last year's tournament on the, on the spectrum of excitement? Where was Cole Caulfield on the spectrum of, you know, intriguing, exciting players, right? Trevor Zegras was phenomenal. Goes in there, MVP of the tournament. So the reason I, then Cole Caulfield comes out of that tournament, then he shows up in Montreal during the Stanley Cup playoffs, right? It's a glimpse into the future, Steve. It's the stars of the future. You know, you know, we saw Mason McTavish play a little bit uh, in, in, in Anaheim, right? Like Mason McTavish, like you're going to get an upfront uh, uh, front row seat to Mason McTavish. How about Matty Beniers? I mean, how many, like, you know, do, do people know how good Matty Beniers is? Do people know Columbus Blue Jackets fans? You drafted Kent Johnson fifth overall. He, I think he can do things that Trevor Zegers did in the tournament last year. Wow. Like, you know, Alexander Holtz is coming back for his third World Junior Tournament. They got a lot of really good young players in New Jersey. You know how exciting that is? You know, and so when you start to look at, at, at players, Jan Mishak. Now, Jan Mishak is going to be the captain of, the, of, of Czechia. They've changed their name. They, you know, I think you saw that. Anyway, and just a wonderful guy. Plays Montreal Canadiens prospect. 
And like, he cares so much about representing his country and Montreal Canadiens fans, as much as there's, it's been a disappointing year, get excited about Yan Misha, get excited because this player is so good and so competitive, but these aren't the names that we talk about, right? Like, do we, we, we don't hear about them because, you know, we always want to get on to the next player and, and there's nothing like Shane Wright, Connor Bedard, right? I tell you what, you know, you start to look. Do people know in Ottawa how good Jake Sanderson is? Do they really, really know how good Jake Sanderson is? I ask you that question because I'll tell you what. I thought and I, I, I have a pretty good idea how good Jake Sanderson is. I've been wrong. He's way better than I thought he was. And I thought he was really good. <laughs> Brock wow. Faber, L.A. Kings. You know, I can keep going down the list. I can keep going down, you know. There's a lot of really good players that are going to be in this year. And guess what? When you turn on your TV in a year's time, these players you watched at Christmas and into the new year, you're going to be watching them on NHL. You're going to be talking about them on Sirius XM. That's what makes this tournament unbelievable. It's a glimpse into the future. I love it. I love it. As I'm wearing my 87 Canada Cup sweater, a glimpse into the past. And that's what people said at the early world juniors that saw some players like a young Wayne Gretzky say, it's my time. It's my time. I saw Wayne play. Did you know that? Yep. 19 Christmas day, 1977. My dad was the director of NHL central scouting. We opened up our presents. I, I don't know. I have two brothers. I don't know if, uh, if I had more than them as the first child, I should have, <laughs> <laughs> but then went down to the Montreal Forum with my dad to watch, to watch Canada versus the former Czechoslovakia, 60-year-old Wayne Gretzky. Wow, wow, wow. <laughs> I can't wait to talk more about the NHL, the games on the ice, the World Juniors in our next episode. That's coming your way on Thursday. Until then, for Craig Button, I'm Steve Coolius. We will catch you later. <laughs>